of December we are in the last full week of Advent in the home stretch the pink candle is lit and I know a lot of people are going through some rough stuff at the moment so let's pray this despair prayer of Saint Claude de la Colombière in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Lord I'm in this world to show your mercy to others other people will glorify you by making visible the power of your grace by their fidelity and constancy to you For my part, I will glorify you by making known how good you are to sinners, that your mercy is boundless, and that no sinner, no matter how great his offenses, should have reason to despair of pardon. If I have grievously offended you, my Redeemer, let me not offend you even more by thinking you are not kind enough to pardon me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I like to pray that prayer this time of year because sometimes people get down on themselves and all the crazy schedule stuff they got to do and all the stuff they feel like they've messed up. Uh, or maybe they get down on the whole wide world and, you know, think, you know, heck with all these people. But God is a merciful God. He loves you. He loves them. He loves us all so much. He became a baby. So that's the that's the refocus point. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We've got a video feed running on Facebook and YouTube. You can access that. Travis has got it running through the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. We will look at This Week in Catholic History with Kevin Schmeezing. Father Patrick Briscoe will talk about St. Patrick at the Manger. We'll talk to Father John Gavin, a little bit of uh, patristics stuff from him this morning, and Dr. Jared Stout along as well, so a jam-packed hour ahead. Hope you can stay with us. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is in Israel today to get an update on the war in Gaza. His visit comes as President Biden has been criticizing Israel over mounting civilian casualties as it tries to destroy Hamas. There have been hints that Israel could move to a lower intensity strategy in the new year. If And if that's the case, Austin wants to hear that plan. Joint Chiefs Chairman General C.Q. Brown Jr. will also be in Israel with Austin for meetings with senior Israeli officials. Pope Francis yesterday made another appeal for peace around the world during his Angelus address, and in particular, the Holy Land where two Christians in Gaza were recently killed by Israeli snipers. From Vatican Radio, Sister Bernadette Reese reports. Pope Francis condemned an attack on the compound of the Catholic parish, where he said there are no terrorists, but families, children, people who are sick and have disabilities, and nuns. A mother and her daughter were killed, he said, and others were wounded by the shooters while they were going to the bathroom. Qualcuno dice, è il terrorismo, è la guerra. Some say, this is terrorism, this is war, he said, adding, yes, it is war, it is terrorism. On Saturday, Israeli forces carried out heavy bombardment in the area surrounding Gaza's only Catholic parish. The Latin Patriarchate of Jerusalem released a statement saying an Israeli tank 
fired a rocket, which struck the convent of the Missionaries of Charity, destroying the building's generator and setting off a massive blaze that damaged the house. The convent provided shelter and care for 54 people with disabilities who would no longer be able to use their respiratory equipment since the attack destroyed the only generator. Later in the day, an Israeli sniper killed two Christian women who had taken refuge in the Holy Family Church compound. Nahida Khalil Anton, an elderly woman, and her daughter, Samara Kamal Anton, had exited the church building and were walking toward the sisters' convent. One was killed as she tried to carry the other to safety, according to the Patriarchate. The sniper reportedly shot and wounded seven other people as they tried to protect others inside the church compound. No warning was given, said the Patriarchate. They were shot in cold blood inside the premises of the parish where there are no belligerents. I'm Sister Bernadette Reese. A once prominent cardinal has been sentenced to five and a half years in the Vatican jail in what has been called the Vatican trial of the century. Giovanni Angelo Becciu was convicted on multiple counts of embezzlement. He was among 10 defendants accused of a property scheme that prosecutors said swindled millions of dollars from the Vatican. The 75-year-old became the first cardinal to be tried in Vatican City's criminal court. Bechu has denied the charges and his attorneys plan to appeal. Here in the United States, a major storm packing strong winds and heavy rain is threatening holiday travel as it barrels up the East Coast. Forecasters say strong winds, heavy rain, and flooding are likely from the mid-Atlantic to New England. Hazardous driving conditions and possible flash flooding is expected across the region throughout the day. The Biden administration is announcing its five-year offshore drilling plan. Brian Shook reports. The Interior Department says between 2024 and 2029, there will be three leases in the waters around the U.S. to allow for drilling. The American Petroleum Institute claim the plan fails to meet the energy needs of the American people. Environmental groups also took issue with the plan, saying the dangerous cycle of drilling and spilling must end. I'm Brian Shook. And several schools took home hardware as bowl season kicked off over the weekend. The Ohio Bobcats, my Ohio Bobcats, began Saturday by stomping Georgia Southern 41-21 to in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. I didn't even know that bowl existed. Florida A&M followed up with a 20-26 win over Howard in the Cricket Celebration Bowl. A strong second half led UCLA to a 35-22 to victory over Boise State in the Starco Brands LA Bowl. Texas Tech topped Cal 34-14 in the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. And Western Kentucky takes on Old Dominion in the famous Toastery Bowl today. Famous Toastery Bowl. Now is the is the is it a toastery bowl and that bowl is famous or is famous toastery the name of the brand? That is a great question, Matt. Like a famous Amos Bowl, like, or something like that. Can I mention something about the Myrtle Beach Bowl? Yes, please okay, do. Okay, so I went to Ohio University. As okay, I just did, want to make it on. clear. Go Can ahead. I, hold on. You're going to really find this interesting. I am going to. My, um, I have a bunch of family members who have. I have uh, an older sister and a younger sister who both went to Ohio University, and I have a, a slew of cousins 
who went to Ohio University. So one cousin who went to OU, her younger sister went to Georgia Southern. I'm pretty oh. sure. So, so what a, a what rivalry. a crazy I wish I would have realized this. I need to like check out Facebook and see if they had any bets going or anything. Well, the reason I wanted to to make it clear, I uh, something to make clear is that you are a diehard Ohio State University Indeed. fan. Indeed. So there may be some listeners who are confused and think that you went to the Ohio State University when I in fact not. you went to Ohio an University. Ohio State <laughs> University. Yeah. That's true. So the definite and indefinite article thing is actually. I was in fact a bobcat, but grew Not up a an Ohio State Buckeyes fan. So there you go. And don't worry about my alma mater making it to a bowl game anytime soon. We didn't. We didn't even have a football team. No, Asbury no. basketball and baseball. Oh, that's nice. Very good. A little soccer. Very good. But anyway, congratulations to my Ohio Bobcats. Congrats, Bobcats. Thank you. Thank you very much. Today is Monday, December the 18th, Monday of the third week of Advent. Hope you enjoyed lighting the rose-colored candle yesterday. It's nine past. It's time for our weekly look at This Week in Catholic History here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And our Catholic historian, Kevin Schmeising, back with us for it. He's author of... A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Good morning, Kevin. Hey, Anna. Good morning. It is good to have you back. And we head to 1046 and a pope abdicating. I only thought that happened like twice in history. (laughs) It's happened a, a few times. Yeah, Annie, this is one of those stories we've covered many over the years from a more chaotic period in papal elections. (laughs) What set the stage was the election of Benedict IX in 1032. He was the nephew of two predecessors, Benedict VIII and John XIX. So this could be seen as literally nepotism, but worse Hmm. than that, it appears that his election was secured through bribery perpetrated by his father. So at 20 years old, Benedict was, in the words of the Catholic Encyclopedia, a youthful libertine and a disgrace to the chair of Peter. Wow. How would you like that to be your legacy? Benedict's unpopularity and rank unsuitability led to his exile from Rome. An anti-pope was put in his place. Then Benedict returned for a while, but finally he decided he wanted to marry and so willingly resigned the papacy, which, as we know, permits a legitimate succession. The man to take his place was John Gratian, known to be a devout and responsible bishop. He became Pope Gregory VI. And with the assistance of his aide Hildebrand, the future great reforming Pope Gregory VII, Gregory VI began working to clean up the church in Rome. But then further complications. The fickle Benedict IX decided he liked the papacy after all, so he tried to depose Gregory. The antipope Sylvester was also still in the picture, so the Council of Sutri was called to sort things out. The claims of Benedict and Sylvester were declared invalid, but there was also an issue with Gregory. As part of the agreement, when he took Benedict's place, he paid a sum of money to compensate the preceding pope for expenses. Gregory did so with good intentions, to be rid of a terrible pope, and he didn't see it as simony, which is the purchasing of an ecclesiastical office. But the bishops at Sutri judged it otherwise. They urged Gregory to resign. He did so, willingly. It was December 20th, this week, in 1046. The new pope, Clement II, was elected. This makes me so grateful. I thought that 2013 felt chaotic when Benedict XVI 
abdicated the papacy, but man, it could have been so much more chaotic, as uh, you're clearly indicating here in 1046. Now, uh, let's go to uh, 1843 and some American Catholic history to share with us this morning. Yeah, there's actually a historical marker in Pittsburgh to commemorate the location and date of this event this week in 1843, when the Sisters of Mercy established their first convent in the United States. Venerable Catherine McCauley founded the Sisters of Mercy in Dublin in Ireland in 1831 after she and collaborators opened what they called a House of Mercy to take in, care for, and educate women and children in need. By the time of her death in 1841, the sisters had spread across Ireland. Two years later, they began to spread around the world. As regular listeners know, there was a lot of Irish immigration to the U.S. in the first half of the 19th century and also great demand in the growing American church for priests and religious sisters. Mother Frances Xavier Ward, one of the founding group of Sisters of Mercy, traveled to the U.S. with six companions. They arrived in Pittsburgh this week, December 21st, 1843, and according to the records, immediately began their apostolate of assisting the city's poor and sick. Congregation expanded rapidly here in the U.S. Within 20 years, there were convents, schools, and hospitals in San Francisco, Chicago, Philadelphia, St. Louis, New Orleans, and elsewhere. They were prominent prominent among the many Catholic sisters who served as nurses during the Civil War. In fact, among non-Catholics, Sister of Mercy became kind of a catch-all term for a nursing sister. Today, the Sisters of Mercy remain the largest order in the U.S. with more than 2,000 sisters, and they remain involved in education and health care, as evidenced by the many schools and hospitals with mercy in their titles. They got their start in this country this week in 1843. Well, a big happy anniversary to the Sisters of Mercy and to anyone working in health care, particularly in the Mercy Hospital system. Founded this day... Well, this week in 1843, we've been talking to our Catholic historian, Kevin Schmeising. You can find his book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com alongside his podcast, The Catholic History Trek Podcast. Kevin, it was good to talk to you. Thank you so much. You too, Anna. Thank you. You bet. All right, let's take a look at weather across the nation. Lots of people... Getting ready to hit the road ahead of Christmas a week from today. And, well, it doesn't look like weather is going to be cooperating for many people. Steady rain and windy conditions will be in store throughout the day along the New England coastline. Along the mid-Atlantic coastline, showers expected to end by midday. Further inland, a mix of rain and snow is likely with heavy snow in the West Virginia high country as well as off the shores of Lake Erie in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and New York. Light snow will fall in portions of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Indiana. These snow showers will taper off by evening. Rain showers will be falling throughout the day along the West Coast. In the interior northwest, a mix of rain and snow can be expected beginning this afternoon. And otherwise, you can expect dry weather if you live in the Rockies, the desert southwest, the plains, lower Mississippi Valley, and Gulf Coast. It's quarter past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. 
Approved by the USCCB. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. The Messy Family Podcast empowers mom and dads to embrace their sacred calling by helping you become a good parent and a great spouse. You can hear the Messy Family Podcast as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNradio.net slash podcasts today. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Appeals for peace are getting louder from church leaders after two Christians and two Israeli hostages in Gaza were recently killed by Israeli soldiers. Once prominent Cardinal Angelo Bechu has been sentenced to five and a half years in a Vatican jail after being convicted on multiple counts of embezzlement. And a major storm packing strong winds and heavy rain is threatening holiday travel as it's barreling up the East Coast. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, Anna Mitchell, I just got uh, a note from the other the other room overhearing our conversation about you going to an Ohio State ver- uh, University rather than mm-hmm. the Ohio State University. And Correct. immediately yeah. got a message from my wife, Colleen who wanted to make sure to that I mentioned that she went to the Catholic University of America oh, and not me. just yes. a Catholic university in America. Good for her. So shout out to the <laughs> the Catholic <laughs> University of America. Yes. Listening. All you grads. Lots of lots of connections there. Lots You're going to be talking to somebody across the street from the Catholic University of That's America. That's right. Father Briscoe here in yeah. just a moment. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I want to also point out, speaking of her, that uh, – so today is Monday, December 18th. It was on this date, since we just did some Kevin Schmeezing this week in Catholic history. This date in 2004, she and I got married. Oh, my so, gosh. Wow, you're coming up. You're on 19 years 19 of years. Wow. 19 years. Wow. Congratulations. So, That's awesome. And I think she's... She's sick today, but that was actually covered in the vows, so we're still good. Oh, good. In sickness... And in yes, health. that's all covered. Fantastic. So all you, uh, all you youngsters out, I want to ask you what there, you're getting her because she's listening clearly, and you don't want no, to spoil it. I wouldn't tell you anyway. Of course not. But uh, <laughs> I will say this: that some people out there wonder, you know, is it possible, you know, to 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 really pull marriage off? If you knew what an idiot I am and how I made it to 19 years, I'm just saying, don't despair. 
Don't despair. Anything is po- is possible. It's Anything true. Anything is possible. If a moron like me. The graces are real. Yeah. They are indeed. They are they real. They are indeed. Admalto so. Sanos. Yeah, I didn't awesome. even I didn't even know you back then or we would have invited you to the wedding. I know. Yeah, this is before my time. It's before with your the time. There was no Sunrise Morning Show at the time. That would come crazy. like two and a half years later. Wow, wow, wow. I was uh, just a young punk, you know, trying to live my life. I wasn't I, I was actually in the middle of RCIA at the time. That's so cool. Cuz that was December. Yeah. It wouldn't be until the following spring a few months later in uh, March of 2005 that I would actually enter the church. So we didn't even have a mass. Yeah. Uh, we had a deacon preside. And, uh, but it was a mutual love of Chesterton that brought you two together. That in was the a first big part. Place, actually, right? yeah. actually, it was a mutual love of one another. <laughs> <laughs> I meant in the first place. Just twenty-one past. Starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. We all know there was an apostle named Philip, but the Philip I want to speak of here is one of the seven deacons chosen to assist the apostles in the distribution of food to the needy in Jerusalem. He must have been a good preacher. We know of two of his converts, Simon, who was known for his wonders and then embraced the faith, and a man who was a servant of Queen Candace of Ethiopia, whom Philip later baptized after telling him about the Lord Jesus Christ. Philip, the deacon, hosted Paul in his home in Caesarea. By that time, Philip was known as the evangelist. His four daughters had the gift of prophecy. We all know that the name Philip means one who loves horses, but it's quite clear that this Philip loved the Lord and he influenced others to do the same. So could we. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. The Sunrise Morning Show continues in this very short run up to Christmas. This is the last full week of Advent. You're only going to get like a few hours of the fourth Sunday of Advent. Then we're right into Christmas Eve. So lots to think about as we get down the home stretch. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Patrick Briscoe, and he is with our Sunday visitors. Tons of great resources over there, and he's written a piece on praying with St. Patrick at the manger. Father Patrick, good morning. Hey, good morning, Matt. How are you? Aren't we supposed to wait a few months before we start talking about St. Patrick? It seems a little early. Yeah, I didn't pick the piece for today, you know, but uh, but sure, I'm happy to talk about everything that I'm writing about. <laughs> well, it's interesting to me for a number of reasons, and uh, one of them you point out right at the beginning, that uh, Patrick and his connection to the manger, 
starts with the fact that, I mean, St. Patrick was a shepherd, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I was thinking about praying about. We're starting to see nativity scenes set up. Maybe you've already got one up in your home. Um, they're, you know, we're starting to see them out in front of our churches as our preparations for Christmas continue. And so I was just sort of thinking about the different figures of the nativity, and the shepherds are the are the ones that kind of caught my mind, caught my heart uh, as I was as I was. Uh, preparing uh, for, for some for some of my Christmas writing, and I realized in, in chatting about it with a friend um, that it was an Im- important moment to think about a different shepherd, um, you know, St. Patrick, who, of course, had his encounter with God. It was not too dissimilar from the shepherds of the Gospel who encountered the Christ child, and so that's why I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to begin to think about uh, maybe St. Patrick's breastplate, his prayer in a, in a different light. Well, uh, we can get to the breastplate in a minute, because that's uh, once I started thinking about that after I saw your piece, I was like, man, there's a lot in here you can connect to Christmas. But I also think about uh, Patrick and his evangelization of a pagan culture. I mean, what must it have been like for him to talk to these people who worshipped in a lot of ways like nature or the sun to say, no, God is a person. He's a person. He was, Jesus is actually born, right, into a human body. Like, what an what a wild thing it must have been for him to try and explain this to a culture who had only known paganism and nature worship. Yeah, I think that's right, and and we're seeing we're seeing that more and more, even in our own day, as more and more of our contemporaries are just just raised in something foreign from Christianity or or a version of Christianity where they don't where they don't really meet the Lord, where they don't know Jesus as a person. So I, so I think, uh, you know, as, as you say, Patrick's experience was, was pretty radical in, in the work that he was called to do to convert Ireland, um, but it's increasingly not dissimilar from the work that we're called to do in the, in the world around us, as, as more, and more, uh, more and more of our contemporaries don't actually understand who Jesus was or, or really have any knowledge of him. Well, it's interesting. Now I want to get to the breastplate because there are people who know pieces and chunks of the breastplate, but when you read it as, as a whole, it's uh, there's a lot of trinitarian stuff in it. A lot of uh, I mean St. Patrick is known for this um advocacy of the Trinity, uh trying to explain the Trinity and uh I mean you can't explain the Trinity without saying that the word became flesh and <laughs> dwelt among us. I mean, Christmas is an essential part of this question, but as you were going through the breastplate of St. Patrick, what were some of the lines that you you really focused on to to, to think about this idea of how St. Patrick must have thought about, you know, the Lord being born in Bethlehem? Yeah, and and uh, I think I'd, I'd just follow, follow that up and say, not just St. Patrick, but how we can think about it too, right? When we're when we're when we're there at the crib, the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, is such an all-consuming event that it it just just takes over the horizon of history and changes everything around us. And so I I love this idea that that Patrick's prayer um, can be can be backed up or, or located at this moment of of the nativity, at this moment where Jesus is really born, where Christ just becomes our all, where, where Christ is all around us, where He's before us, behind us, where He's beneath us, where He's above us. And so, so taking those words of St. Patrick, uh, Christ before me, 
Christ beneath me, Christ under me, Christ behind me, um, to, to understand how final, how grand, uh, how, how all-consuming, all how total the, the, the moment of the nativity of Jesus is. Well, we think about the hymn that uh, everybody sort of defaults to for the first four Sundays of Advent because you can't really do Christmas songs yet, and O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, right? And what does Emmanuel mean but God with us? And what communicates God with us better than saying Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ above me, on my right, in the heart of every man who thinks of me, in the mouth of everyone who speaks with me? I mean, that is God with us. Absolutely, no, absolutely, and I, I think that, uh, I think that part of what St. Patrick's experience uh, would have been, as a shepherd, would have been to know how consoling that presence is. I mean, but a huge part of being a shepherd is being lonely, right, and tending to the flocks and having to face uh, all, all the trials of nature. And I think that I think that many of those themes um, are still, especially germane. Uh, think about how many people are going to be lonely as Christmas approaches, how many people are really at risk, uh, thinking of the Christians in the Holy Land especially, that are really they're really subject to powers far 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 beyond uh, their own their own strength. And there's a way there's a way that that just givenness to God um, that, that St. Patrick and the other shepherds had um, needs to be needs to be appreciated and imitated by us all. Well, you, we've got your uh, piece. It's called Praying with St. Patrick at the Manger. It's at Our Sunday Visitor, and you can find it through sunrisemorningshow.com in the show notes. Father Briscoe, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for having me on, man. God bless. Again, check the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Find all kinds of things, including our video stream. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is in Israel today to get an update on the war in Gaza. His visit comes as President Biden and many others have been criticizing Israel over mounting civilian casualties as Israel tries to destroy Hamas. There have been hints that Israel could move to a lower intensity strategy in the new year. And if that's the case, Austin says he wants to hear that plan. Joint Chiefs Chairman General C.Q. Brown Jr. will also be in Israel with Austin Four meetings with senior Israeli officials. Meanwhile, the appeals for peace are growing louder from church leaders after two Christians and two Israeli hostages in Gaza were recently killed by Israeli soldiers. The president of the U.S. bishops, Archbishop Timothy Brolio, released a statement saying, quote, such violence must not continue following the mistaken killing of Israeli hostages and now the killing of two Christian women and the wounding of others inside Holy Family Parish in Gaza. We call for an immediate cessation of all hostilities, the release of hostages, and for earnest negotiations toward a peaceful solution of this conflict, end quote. He said at this time, at this holy time of Advent, in anticipation of the birth of the Prince of Peace, it is with great sadness and horror that we continue to witness the death and destruction of innocent people in the land of our Lord's birth. Pope Francis, for his part, made another appeal for peace during his Angelus address yesterday. He said, let us not forget our brothers and sisters suffering from war in Ukraine and Palestine and Israel and in other conflict zones. He said, may the approach of Christmas strengthen the commitment to open paths of peace. In his Angelus address catechesis, the Holy Father reflected on the Sunday Gospel reading, focusing on what it means that John the Baptist testifies to the light 
From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Looking at the nature of John's testimony and the light to which he refers, the Pope explained that John the Baptist's testimony came through his frank language, his sincere behavior, and his austerity of life. People flocked to meet and hear the Baptist, the Pope recalled, especially due to his consistent and sincere way of being, making him different from the famous and powerful who cultivated their appearances more than their character. And in every age, the Lord sends men and women like this, he said. And do we recognize them? Do we learn from their witness, allowing ourselves to be challenged? Giovanni, invece, è luminoso in quanto testimonia la luce. Pope said John's luminous nature came from his testifying to the light of Christ, of Jesus coming into the world, the Lamb of God, God who saves. Recalling that John himself told the crowds that he was not the light or the Messiah, but the voice who accompanies his brothers and sisters to the Word. The Pope said John the Baptist's witness shows us that only in God do we find the light of life and that by God's grace, we can be a lamp that shines and helps others find the way to meet Jesus through our service to others, humility, and the integrity of our lives. In conclusion, the Pope suggested we ask ourselves how we in our daily lives can give witness in the here and now to the light of Christ in these days leading to Christmas and beyond. And he prayed that may Mary, mirror of holiness, help us be men and women who reflect Jesus, the light who comes into the world. Following the recitation of the Angelus Prayer, Pope Francis greeted the many families there with their children present who brought little statuettes of the child Jesus to be blessed on Bambinelli Sunday, a tradition started by St. Pope Paul VI over 50 years ago. I'm Therese Jones. A once-prominent cardinal has been sentenced to five and a half years in a Vatican jail in what's been described as the Vatican trial of the century. Cardinal Angelo Becciu was convicted on multiple counts of embezzlement. The former cardinal was um, not the former cardinal. The cardinal was among 10 defendants accused of a property scheme that prosecutors said swindled millions of dollars from the Vatican. The 75-year-old became the first cardinal to be tried in Vatican City's criminal court. Beichu has denied the charges and his attorney plans to appeal. A major storm packing strong winds and heavy rain is threatening holiday travel as it barrels up the East Coast, forecasters say. Strong winds, heavy rain, and flooding are likely from the mid-Atlantic to New England. That's the news. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah 
at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, Is it allowed to pray to the crucifix or to the images and relics of the saints? It is not allowed to pray to the crucifix or images and relics of the saints, for they have no life, no power to help us, no sense to hear us. You see, when we look up at the crucifix as Catholics, we're not worshiping the image. What we should recognize is that the image of the cross is precisely that, an image. I'm not praying to the wood, rather I'm praying to God, and the wood is helping me to pray to him better. And I'm not praying to the relic of the saint. That's just a remnant of something the saint had or perhaps a part of the saint's body. And so we can see then that we need to be very careful with that distinction, not to pray to the thing, but to pray to the person. And so recognizing then where we are allowed to pray and where we are not, we are better able to keep the faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 37 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. So happy to have you along with us for the ride this morning. Father John Gavin back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Good morning, Father. Good morning. So we are going to be talking about a Christmas Christomathy. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes. Christomathy yes. that you wrote a few years back uh, for your students. What is a Christomathy, first of all? So, so new vocabulary word today, maybe, maybe for some. Uh, Christomathy is a collection of short phrases or writings, often from the same author, but perhaps from a collection of authors, that would be used uh, to help one learn a language. Hmm. So they would often be like, you know, if you're trying to learn French, you'd have a whole collection of short uh, phrases and things from famous authors or an author, and then you could study that and learn learn a uh, language from that. So there was it was a tool that goes quite far back. And I just put this together for a talk for my students. Uh, this was maybe seven or eight years ago, even. Uh, that uh, in the language I wanted to teach was, in fact, the language of Advent and Christmas. Oh. And the collection of writers that I put together, uh, or short phrases, all come from the Fathers of the Church. Nice. So I call it a Christmas Christomathy. Nice. And so um, the language of Advent, this you kind of... Is it kind of like an acrostic poem? Would you say that that's a good way to, to sort of compare it? Well, at least that's what I did. So okay. uh, as an added feature to it, each phrase from one of the fathers in this list uh, has a capital letter in bold, and it spells out natus est, he nice. is born. For the whole phrase, it's puer natus est, uh, for uh, a child is born to us. So uh, yeah, that was something a little extra I threw in. Well, you've got a bunch of options when it comes to the Church Fathers speaking on the Nativity. So how did you choose the the quotes that you did? I guess getting the right letter to begin with was, was <laughs> part of it anyway. Sure. I mean, I had to make it work in English as opposed to their original languages. But uh, yes, I, I, the Fathers that I have selected here are all 
uh, I mean, all the fathers speak about the nativity of our Lord, and the ones that I chose here are perhaps very well known for uh, their preaching and teaching on the Incarnation. So uh, Pope St. Leo the Great, St. Augustine, St. Maximus the Confessor, uh, St. Ephraim the Syrian, uh, St. Hippolytus, uh, all of them uh, have writings on the Incarnation, but preach very eloquently on uh, the truth and the joy of this great mystery. That's awesome. So why don't you take us through the quotes that you chose, Father? Okay, uh, we'll see how many we get to. Uh, well, the first one is from St. Leo the Great. He says, uh, no one is kept from sharing in this happiness of the birth of the Lord. There is for all one common measure of joy. And, of course, St. Leo the Great, the great defender of the two natures of Christ, is speaking of the universality of this great feast, that God became man uh, not just in that particular, for the people of that particular time or that particular place, but for all persons. I mean, we are celebrating it now, 2,000 years later, as uh, the uh, celebration of our salvation. Uh, so preaches this universality of this great feast. Then, if we go to St. Augustine, I've got him in here a couple of times. Uh, this is a good one for this hour of the morning. He starts out, Awake, mankind! For your sake, God has become man. Awake, you who sleep, rise up from the dead, and Christ will enlighten you. I tell you again, for your sake, God became man. Mm. And it's wonderful. These have been, of course, the theme in uh, many of our readings at Mass recently, to be awake, to be attentive, uh, because what we are celebrating in this feast, uh, yes, we look to the past, the birth of our Lord, and we look toward the coming of Christ, but we celebrate that now in the life of the Church and experience that now. Uh, so he's telling us, yeah, wake up. Absolutely. Um, I Actually, I... I want to just throw in a quick comment here that maybe you can reflect on. Um, mm. I love the juxtaposition, the juxtaposition of these two quotes um, being next to each other, Father, because you have this idea of this was for everyone, for all, but it mm. was also for me. Um, yes. This this kind of corporate and individual focus on on why the Lord came. That's a very good point. I mean, St. Leo says no one, no one person is uh, outside of what has been done for us uh, in this coming of our Lord. And uh, right, so it's, it's something for all of humanity, but then each one of us uh, is incorporated into the body of Christ. Yeah. So that's, that's a wonderful point. Well, tell us, uh, your boy, St. Maximus, confess the confessor, uh, what he had to say. I had to get him in here somewhere. Yes, of uh, course. So <laughs> he talks about, well, he's, uh, we're now on T of Natus here, so the great mystery of the divine incarnation remains a mystery forever. How can the Word made flesh be essentially the same person that is holy with the Father? Mm. Uh, Maximus brings us, yes, we are. this is a, a very earthy feast, obviously, our Lord becoming flesh. But Maximus reminds us of the deep mystery behind the Incarnation, that, that this is God <laughs> who yeah. has become flesh, wow. uh, the one who is holy with the Father. Mm -hmm. And so he brings us to the, the, 
to the contemplation of the mystery of what is taking place in this great feast. And uh, some of the most beautiful poetry on the Nativity comes from St. Ephraim. Yes, uh, just because he, you, can, you can sing what he wrote. Uh, he, has, he is a theologian of song and poetry, and he says, Unless our Savior has come, the prophet's words have been falsified. Blessed be the true one who came from the Father of the truth and fulfilled the true seer's words. Uh, he's reminding us, as we, well, we've been hearing, and again in our mass readings, that uh, the prophets were foretelling this great moment. I mean, we could not see clearly what it was in their words until our Lord came, and yet now we can read Isaiah and the prophets and see them pointing to this great feast. Uh, even today, we were in the O antiphons now, of course. And uh, today, uh, today's antiphon, O Adonai, speaks of uh, the uh, of Moses and the reception of the law, and then our redemption uh, foreshadowed in that. And so, even when we look to Moses and the Old Testament, always preaching and pointing to the coming of our Lord. Beautiful. Well, let's get Natus all the way in before we run out of time here. I love this quote you include from St. Hippolytus. Sure. Uh, So he writes, So then, let us look at what Scripture proclaims. Let us discover what its teaching is. He who formerly had been visible only to God and visible to the world was now made visible, so that through this manifestation the world could see him and be saved. Uh, I think uh, a world that that was seeking to see the face of God in the Incarnation at last comes to see God and God in the flesh. And this is to be our future joy, of course, uh, the beatific vision, to to see God face-to-face in that union. It's an incredible thought, and we get a little glimpse of it when we take a glimpse at the Eucharist at every Mass. Mm. Of course, we've been talking to Father John Gavin. And Father, with your permission, could I put this up on uh, social media to let folks uh, see the est part of Natus Est? Sure, absolutely. Fantastic. I'll put it up on our Facebook page over at sonrisemorningshow.com, which is where you can find Father John Gavin and his book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked. Father, thank you. And have a blessed Christmas. You do the same, Father. Thank you so much. All right, Dr. Jared Stout joins us next. It's 14 till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. 
Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Are you a new listener to EWTN Radio? Welcome. We're here for you 24-7. You'll hear live and interactive shows throughout the day to answer any questions you may have about the Catholic faith. There's trustworthy news from a Catholic perspective. And a large selection of podcasts available at EWTN's Podcast Central. And, of course, the daily Mass, prayers, and everything you need to edify your soul. Welcome to EWTN Radio. We're blessed to have you with us. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. Dr. Jared Stout joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization from Tan Books. Dr. Stout, good morning. Welcome back. Good morning. It is good to have you. And uh, we're going to be talking about Sort of, I guess you could say the various ways in which we can describe the mass and why it is that we we do have these kind of alternate descriptions for the mass. So first of all, we call it the Eucharist. So why can mass and Eucharist be sort of interchanged? Well, the mass is a kind of nickname, you know, and Eastern Catholics call it the divine liturgy. The word liturgy is a work that is done on behalf of the people, kind of like a public work, you know, that a government might Mm do. Um, So the divine liturgy is the work of Christ on our behalf. And in the West, we call it the mass from the, the, the phrase at the end, you know, we just say in English, go, the mass has ended. Um, But in Latin, it's ite misa est. Mm -hmm. So in English, we kind of say the mass quote unquote, as if it were a thing, but in Latin, it's called, you know, the Misa. So ite Misa est. And, you know, nobody quite knows what that means. So it's kind of funny that the mass has a nickname that we don't fully understand. Ite Misa est means go like these things have been sent, but Misa is plural and est is singular. So it, it, it like doesn't even work the phrase, but it kind of means that, you know, in this sending that something is going forth. Is it the congregation? Is it the Eucharist? We don't know, but that kind of adds to the mystery of it. Mm. Ite misa est. And so the mass is the misa. Um, and, and when we are dismissed, it's not like, hey, it's it's over, so you can go now. I think that's kind of how we interpret it. But the word misa, I, the sorry, sending. Sorry, can I interrupt for a second just yeah. to tell you? There's, yeah, yeah. Uh, I happen to know, um, and you actually know, an Eastern Catholic priest. I, I heard um, some of the, the Easterns think it's so funny that we say, you know, the mass is ended, and then everybody proclaims, thanks be to God. <laughs> like, <laughs> Seriously, right? Thank God it's over, you know? Anyway, sorry. That's what it I sounds like, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, But But ite misa es, the sending, is it's kind of like a mission. You know, missio is when something is sent. It's like a mission. And so the mass kind of ends with a mission. Mm-hmm. You know, what this thing is, is that you are receiving the Lord into your life. You are becoming like this temple, this tabernacle. 
and now you're being sent out. So there is something deeper and more mystical here, but I think we've kind of lost that. And I think that's why we're even adding these taglines now, you know? Dude, you're not kidding. You know, go forth to do these things. It's trying to recapture this idea of the mission. And so you could, in a way, you could say the mass is a mission. Yeah. Glorifying the Lord by your life. I'm trying to think what something like that, you know, but there's even alternate. There's other ones you can say, too. That's the most common, though. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk more about the mass as a sacrifice. How is it a sacrifice? Well, the word sacrifice means to make holy, literally, right? In Latin, Mm -hmm. sacrum uh, ficium, to make holy. Um, And when you offer something to God, it makes it holy. So you can think that, you know, if you were raising sheep and you you bring a sheep and you say, Lord, I give this to you, then that sheep is no longer yours. It's no longer an ordinary thing. It now belongs to God. It's holy. So in the mass, you know, there there are really two offerings. We come and we make our own offering or sacrifice of the bread and wine. That's the offertory prayers, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, blessed are you, you know, Lord. And that's our prayer. But ultimately, it becomes the sacrifice of Christ, right? So Jesus takes up the, the offering of the bread and wine that we make, um, and, he, and he transforms it into the offering of his body, blood, soul, and divinity, this offering of his complete self to the Father. Now, that happened once on the cross, and this offering, of course, is, is completed by the vindication of the resurrection, but that one offering is made present anew in the mass, right? It's new to us, right? Because we're coming and this one offering is made present to us. Um, And so the Council of Trent says that this is a a unique sacrifice, not the sacrifice of Jesus that's once, but the fact that we are coming at this particular time to join our own prayers to that one offering of Christ, this makes it a new sacrifice. Hmm. And it's not simply the offering of Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity to the Father, because we are members of Christ's body. And so it becomes an offering of us because we are part of the one Christ as his members. And so we are drawn into this. The the whole Christ, head and members, is offered, made holy, right? That's what sacrifice means, where you're made holy in this gift of our entire selves to the Father. You know, I'm glad you keep bringing up this idea about it being made holy, because I think this is where a, a lot of misunderstanding comes. And, and I think this is something that, that Pope Benedict brings out very well, or Cardinal Ratzinger at the time, in, in the spirit of the liturgy about um, defining what it means to be a sacrifice, because we often think of sacrifice being something is destroyed, but that's not what this is. You know, often in the Old Testament, something might be destroyed. You know, mm-hmm. there, there are different kinds of sacrifice. And sure. there's the burnt offering, of course, of the Holocaust. And so if we want to say we're giving this completely and utterly over to you, that is destructive in a way, right? Because we're, we're removing this from the world to say it belongs mm-hmm. only to you. But there were other offerings in the Old Testament, like a, a cereal offering, which would be made with like these flat cakes, you know, and then they would actually be consumed after the sacrifice. And and in a way, both of these things are happening at the mass, right? There is this complete gift of Jesus in a way that, you know, it it signifies his death. 
he did say, I'm giving my life wholly to you, Father, and it's going to be withdrawn from the world because it's given completely and utterly to you. I'm not holding anything back. But at the same time, right, he rose from the dead. Like this, this was this complete gift, this holocaust of Jesus' life could not actually deprive him of life, right? He, he's given it back. Um, and in that restoration of life, we actually are able then to have this, this kind of communion in this meal, um, just like the cereal offering. What was it made of? A flat cake, right? Mm-hmm. And when we receive the offering of the Eucharist, um, of this unleavened bread, right? We are receiving the resurrected life of Jesus. So even though his life was given over completely to the Father, we have it back, right? And now it nourishes us in this covenant meal. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jared Stout. You can find his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up next for most of our affiliates here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and for anyone listening via the Sunrise Morning Show app, which, by the way, you can download through our website, sonrisemorningshow.com. Back after this. Continue on this 18th day of the month of December. It is a Monday morning in the last full week of Advent. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you are of the house and line of David. Reward all who hope in you, Son of God and Son of David. You are the gift of God's love to those who waited long in faith. Strengthen our faith as we look forward to the celebration of your coming. You have opened to us the Father's house where there are many dwelling places. Bring us to the home you have prepared for us. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the long-awaited ruler of the earth. Through the example and intercession of Mary and Joseph, prepare our hearts to receive you with joy and to serve you faithfully, who live and reign with the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning. The Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running. You can check that out. It's on Facebook and YouTube, but the easiest thing to do is click through the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. Up this hour, we have the stuff that you're not going to get on other Catholic radio stations. Well, first of all, well, actually... You probably will get this on a few other Catholic radio stations, but you're not going to get it on anywhere else besides that. Uh, so Brendan Hodge is going to be on from The Pillar, and he's done some statistical analysis on the various combinations you can do uh, since the fourth Sunday of Advent falls on Christmas Eve to uh, make sure that you make your Sunday obligation and make your Christmas day of obligation. He's got all the different configurations so you can pick one and which one works best for you and your family. We'll check in with Teresa Tamio from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. Bear Wozniak's going to be along to talk about endurance and uh, why that's such an important trait to develop. And then Stephanie Mann along at the end of the hour as well. So stay with us if you can. 
Right now it's two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is in Israel today to get an update on the war in Gaza. His visit comes as President Biden and many others have been criticizing Israel over mounting civilian casualties as it continues to try to destroy Hamas. There have been hints that Israel could move to a lower intensity strategy in the new year. And if that's the case, Austin says he wants to hear the plan. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General C.Q. Brown Jr., is also going to be in Israel with Austin for meetings with senior Israeli officials. Pope Francis made another appeal for peace during his Angelus address yesterday after two Christians and two Israeli hostages in Gaza were recently killed by Israeli soldiers. From Vatican Radio, Sister Bernadette Reese reports. Pope Francis condemned an attack on the compound of the Catholic parish where he said there are no terrorists, but families, children, people who are sick and have disabilities, and nuns. A mother and her daughter were killed, he said, and others were wounded by the shooters while they were going to the bathroom. Some say, this is terrorism, this is war, he said adding, yes, it is war. It is terrorism. On Saturday, Israeli forces carried out heavy bombardment in the area surrounding Gaza's only Catholic parish. The Latin Patriarchate of Jerusalem released a statement saying an Israeli tank fired a rocket, which struck the convent of the Missionaries of Charity, destroying the building's generator and setting off a massive blaze that damaged the house. The convent provided shelter and care for 54 people with disabilities who would no longer be able to use their respiratory equipment since the attack destroyed the only generator. Later in the day, an Israeli sniper killed two Christian women who had taken refuge in the Holy Family Church compound. Nahida Khalil Anton, an elderly woman, and her daughter, Samar Kamal Anton, had exited the church building and were walking toward the sisters' convent. One was killed as she tried to carry the other to safety, according to the Patriarchate. The sniper reportedly shot and wounded seven other people as they tried to protect others inside the church compound. No warning was given, said the Patriarchate. They were shot in cold blood inside the premises of the parish where there are no belligerents. I'm Sister Bernadette Reese. A once prominent cardinal has been sentenced to five and a half years in Vatican jail in what's been called the Vatican Trial of the Century. Cardinal Angelo Becciu was convicted on multiple counts of embezzlement. He was among 10 defendants accused of a property scheme that prosecutors said swindled millions of dollars from the Vatican. The 75-year-old became the first cardinal to be tried in Vatican City's criminal court. Becciu has denied the charges and his attorney plans to appeal. Much of the East Coast is bracing for a possible bomb cyclone as a major storm Packing strong winds and heavy rain threatens holiday travel. Forecasters are predicting strong winds, heavy rain, and flooding from the Mid-Atlantic to New England. New York City Mayor Eric Adams has issued a travel advisory and urged people to stay home. The region could see hazardous driving conditions and possible flash flooding through today. And Pope Francis celebrated his 87th birthday yesterday. To celebrate, he shared some cake with children and families at the Santa Marta dispensary. He asked them all 
to get ready for our Lord's birth, saying, we need to prepare ourselves for the great feast of Christmas. He said, it is the feast when we think and recall when Jesus came among us. He came to be with us. So uh, the fact that the Pope's birthday comes just a week ahead of Christmas should be a consolation for all the other people out there who have birthdays really close to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like your that, son. Like my son. Like my father-in-law. Your father-in-law. Like a whole bunch of people I know mm-hmm. uh, who are always kind of bums that they get like, oh, here, they get like one thing and they're like, this is for your birthday and for Christmas. Today is, I know, your anniversary, but it yes. is also the birthday of our office manager, Beverly Hill. Beverly? Beverly's birthday is your anniversary. You know, we all took, we didn't all take, Various people in the radio and television industry have taken, you know, pseudonyms and fake names and appear on the air as names different than that with which they, you know, right, right. present themselves on their driver's license. Beverly Hill is her real name. It's awesome. It's like she was born to work Beverly at a radio station. Hill. Yeah. There you go. Happy Amotos birthday, Bev. Anos, Bev. You have no idea. She's not how... here yet, but I'll see her walk in in a few minutes. So you would have no idea how much of a disaster this place would be if, if Bev it was weren't not for here. Bev. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. She's amazing. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Teresa Tamio from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. Teresa, good morning. Hey, good morning. So I uh, just wanted to put the shout out. Uh, so you can you know announce it on all your media platforms. 19 years of marriage for me today. Congratulations. I'm closing in on two full decades. So yeah, there you well, go. Dominic and I just celebrated 40. So Four, oh, see, now you just had to double me, didn't you? Well, no, but I'm saying it's just like, I, but I'm only 39, so I can't figure out the math. Oh, yeah, so that's I'm weird. still working on that. Child bride. I don't <clears throat> yeah. know. Uh, you mm-hmm. were, you're married before you were born. It's amazing. <laughs> Well, congratulations! That's amazing. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. How romantic to get married at Christmas time in Advent. Ooh. Well, actually, yeah, it was kind of a kind of a wild time <laughs> for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, among them, uh, it was kind of the time that we thought we could get everybody to kind of be in the same area. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a kind of a cool and wild thing. But uh, but yeah, here we are. Nineteen. It's years amazing later. how fast it goes, right? I mean, it's it just is nineteen years. You know? Insane. I got a kid mm-hmm. turning 12 this week. It's wild. It that is wild. I cannot believe. That is to me, because I remember when he was born and you sent me pictures. Now It's crazy. Oh, my gosh, crazy. Crazy. You, you cannot pinch the cheeks of a 12-year-old, Teresa. It's uncool. Oh, Italians do. Yeah. It's uncool. My nephew well, is, is 35, and I still I still hug him and pinch his cheek. He's my godson. That's what Italians hug mm-hmm. everybody. <laughs> well, uh, this is such a rich time of yeah. year to go to um, – well, I mean, the Sunday Mass readings are incredible, but there's some really great daily Mass readings through here. If anybody hasn't, you know, gone to the USCCB website or, or has, you know, cracked open their Magnificat or their Word mm-hmm. Among Us, this is the time of year you want to be reading the Mass readings every day, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, it's, I totally agree. As a matter of fact, I was telling Paul that I was struck yesterday at Mass. Uh, by the second reading, which I've heard a million times, uh, from Thessalonians. And this whole idea of rejoice always, and pray without ceasing, in all circumstances give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And for some reason, you know how when you read Scripture and, and you say, oh, I know that verse, and then, then you read it again, whether it's through the daily readings or going to Mass or both, and it hits you differently in a, in a much stronger fashion? That's happened to me yesterday at Mass. It's like God is always willing us our joy 
are loved. He wants to love us. He wants us to be joyful because of that love and that gift. But it, it just struck me really differently yesterday. Like what God is saying, look, be joyful. I've got this. It's okay. And it's, it's just such an important point, especially around this time of year. And we heard a great homily yesterday from our associate uh, pastor, Father Adam, who's a very young priest. I think he's like, I don't know, maybe 30, 31. But he's always smiling, always has this big smile on his face. And he said during formation in seminary, he said they asked him, why are you always so joyful? They actually kind of were trying to figure out this guy who, who just was so joyful with everyone. And he said, that's who I am. And he said, and John the Baptist knew who he was. And he says, but we are called to be joyful. And he used that old acronym, which is kind of corny, but I love it, Jesus first, others second yourself last and that's how you have true joy if you have your priorities in order and i think we really need that right now a big dose of joy because there's so much negativity uh, in the media in the culture even within uh, the church a lot of people attacking this person or that person or certain websites just being so nasty and and thinking that you know they're more catholic than than the lord himself i think we have to be very careful of that and and it doesn't mean that we ignore the issues but we lay them out there but at the end of the day as John the 23rd said, you know, Lord, I'm tired. It's your church. I'm going to bed. To understand that the best thing we can do is to be joyful and to grow in our own relationship with God to make a difference and to make sure what you're taking in, and this is my next point, is really joyful. This week on EWTN, there's an incredible opportunity to enjoy the musical gifts and the intelligence of a young man. He happens to be the oldest son of my manager, Gail Coniglio. And he was on yesterday on EWHN Radio, and there's several um, airings on TV and radio of a concert that he gave at his parish in Miami. And he's a mathematician, a Ph.D. student at Princeton, uh, studying more about the theory of relativity. I mean, the guy's like a genius, but he's also a a pianist, and he does a whole uh, analysis while playing the music of the different Christmas carols. It is so powerful and so well done. And EWHN edited it down to about an hour. So you can have your own mini Christmas concert listening on radio or watching on TV and just really getting the meaning behind the lyrics and understanding the music. It was just so powerful to see it and hear it again yesterday. Well, that is pretty cool. Do you know, yeah. uh, I mean, do you remember off the top of your head which, which songs he looked at? Because I got a few favorites, and I'm wondering if he did them. Uh, he, he, he did um, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That's he the one did, I was going to oh, ask about. Yep, yep. He talked about the angels and, and explained who angels were. Uh, the kid is like theologically extremely smart. In addition to being a mathematician and everything else, he knows his faith really well. And he also did O Holy Night, and I believe he did A Little Town of Bethlehem. I mean, he did several, but, but he looked at the lyrics and talked about the composers and the writers of the songs. And but then he he played it, but explained it from Scripture. The whole presentation was about Jesus coming as truth and how we need to grasp onto the truth, and that's what Jesus wanted for us. So anyway, but speaking of joy, you feel very good after you listen or watch something like that. So it's on like five or six times this week, and I've got all the listings on my Facebook page at Mrs. Teresa Tamio, and of course you can find it. Doug Keck and I were talking about this in, in last week as well. Anthony was on my show. Uh, but you can go to EWTN.com for more information, but it's a really beautiful concert. Well, I was going to ask about the Hark the Herald uh, Angels Sing because that's the one that uh, that takes me back to my roots every year because uh, the uh, the guy who wrote that would be none other than Charles Wesley who helped right. found the Methodists. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of course, that's my uh, that's my lineage at least on one side of my family, so it's always kind of fun. But when you listen to Charles Wesley's hymn, there, you know, pleased is man with men to dwell, you know. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. You know, you I can't know. help but think Catholic thoughts, right? <laughs> right? You know, right. when you hear that song. 
Uh, it's pretty great. Pretty great. Well, that's the one, that's the thing. I wonder how many of us and you grow up with these Christmas carols. Well, whatever you know, church. If you're a Catholic or if you're a Methodist or or you know evangelical, and I think we just sing them automatically because we know them so well. But when you dive into them more deeply, as you just explained, it, it really just carries on a whole deeper meaning. So it's just, I think, a really good way to, to get into this, you know, into the third week, you know, the, the, the Gaudet week, the week of joy for Advent. And then, of course, poor Advent, the fourth week of Advent has about I'm a, a day. My, I'm not even going to get a chance <laughs> to light my candle. I'm going to talk about that with Annie here in a minute. Uh, but I will say this, Teresa, I'm going to put the challenge out to, okay. uh, to all our listeners, especially our male listeners. I've been watching you all this year. I've been watching you through Ordinary Time and Lent and Advent, even Easter and Pentecost, and you just stand there. And you're not singing at Mass. But Christmas, you're going to know the words. Yep. So I'm going to challenge the men especially out there. If you haven't been singing at Mass, this is a time to test it out. Test the pipes. Because you're going to know the songs. Yep. Yep. And what does Scripture say? A joyful noise. Not necessarily a beautiful noise. So don't That's worry right. about how you we sound. That's We Sing will mask you. If, you're, if you think you got a bad voice, the rest of us are going to drown you out a little bit. Just join up. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Amen. We'll be tuned in to uh, EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection later today. Teresa Tamio, I'm not going to talk to you between now and then, so you have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I'll talk to you, in, God willing, in 2024, because we've got Christmas Day, New Year's Day off, and then it'll be the week after. So, be wild. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All right. And to all of our friends at Ave Maria Radio, it is 16 minutes past the hour. Do you feel as though life is flying past you? Are you desperate for a way to find moments of peace and quiet? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to his voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy, knowing Jesus personally. Lord, teach me to pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box. That's lordteachmetopray.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN Radio is seeking an assistant to the operations manager in overseeing broadcast content in Radio Master Control. This candidate will ensure delivery of our Catholic audio programming while actively monitoring the on-air signals of a number of automated and live playout systems. If this is you or someone you know, email a resume and cover letter, including salary requirements, to humanresources at EWTN.com and be a part of Mother Angelica's mission of evangelization. 18 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis made another appeal for peace during his Angelus address yesterday, and calls for peace are getting louder from church leaders 
around the world after two Christians and two Israeli hostages in Gaza were recently killed by Israeli soldiers. Once prominent Cardinal Angelo Beichu has been sentenced to five and a half years in Vatican jail after being convicted on multiple counts of embezzlement. And much of the East Coast racing for a possible bomb cyclone as a major storm packing strong winds threatens holiday travel. Praying for all of you who have to hit the road this week to go various places. Uh, you know, I was realizing this morning, Anna Mitchell, and I knew it was going to be short and I knew it wasn't going to be much, but I'm I'm realizing this morning, we're not going to, we're going to be out of town for Christmas mm-hmm. uh, and the fourth Sunday of Advent is on a Sunday. It's Christmas Eve, so mm-hmm. we won't be around. So we're not going to actually light our fourth Advent candle oh, well, this year. Oh, well, you can use it for next year. I can year. reuse it for next year, but I'm realizing that even if we were here, we would probably not light that Advent candle because we usually light it at dinner. We go to... We go to Mass in the morning, and Mm -hmm. we, of course, light the candle at Mass, but Mm -hmm. we usually don't light ours until Hmm. dinner. So even if we were in town, our family, at least, wouldn't be lighting the fourth Advent candle at all. I didn't even think about that until this morning. Wow. That's a good point. I guess you could. I mean, you could. You could just light it and run it. Yeah. There's I mean, no we'll rule still that have, says you have to wait till nightfall. I mean, we're still going to have the the final O antiphon for evening prayer. So it's true, which will be on which is Christmas Eve. So I guess I don't know. I just I'm 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 floored by this. Like I <laughs> has this never happened in the time that we've been doing the morning show? Because I mean, I, I have to go back and look recall... at the calendars. I don't recall ever having these discussions before. Brendan Hodge is about to come on to help us uh, figure out all of the various combinations. It's actually kind of fun. It um, is kind of fun. I have some people I've seen, you know, scoffing at all of the discussion about this because it, I don't know. it makes kinda, it sound kind of scrupulous, you know, like, oh, how do I fill my obligation? You know what sounds both. more scrupulous? How do I work in basketball practice and choir yeah. and lacrosse exactly. and, like, book club? Exactly. And... But that said, I think it's kind of fun that we can kind of, you know, mix and match and decide I'm what. Get a little creative. Yeah, exactly. It's trying going past. You up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. A meditation and reflection of St. John Vianney. The Christian's treasure is not on earth, but in heaven. Our thoughts, then, ought to be directed to where our treasure is. This is the glorious duty of man, to pray and to love. Prayer is nothing else but union with God. 
In this intimate union, God and the soul are fused together like two bits of wax that no one can ever pull apart. Prayer never leaves us without sweetness. It is honey that flows into the soul and makes all things sweet. When we pray properly, sorrows disappear like snow before the sun. How often we come to church with no idea of what to do or what to ask for. And yet, whenever we go to any human being, we know well enough why we go. I often think that when we come to adore the Lord, we would receive everything we ask for if we would ask with living faith and with a pure heart. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Mark Watkins. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Brandon Hodge joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of the novel, If You Can Get It, which has some Christmas scenes in it. You can find it at Ignatius Press. He's also a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Great to be on with you. It is great to have you. And a couple of weeks ago, we uh, were talking about how in we are in the midst of the shortest Advent possible. That meaning that the fourth Sunday of Advent is also Christmas Eve. Now, I don't want to make people all scrupulous and whatnot, but we are going to talk about this in light of the uh, mass obligation that we have as Roman Catholics for Sunday and and Holy Days. And uh, so, first of all, Brendan, I mean, sometimes when a Holy Day falls on a Monday, um, it can get sort of, quote unquote, absorbed into the Sunday Mass obligation. Is that the case with Christmas? No, that is not the case with Christmas. Um, the decision to absorb in a Holy Day obligation into a Sunday obligation is one which is made by the national bishop bishops' conferences. And although most Holy Days in the U.S. have been chosen by the U.S. bishops as Holy Days, which can be moved to the nearest Sunday so that we celebrate that, um, that obligation on Sunday, the Christmas obligation is not one of those. And so Christmas, we have a obligation to go to Mass for Christmas itself, and also a separate obligation to go to Mass on Sunday, even though those are currently back-to-back. Okay, so The Pillar, a couple of weeks ago, put out a very helpful explainer on all of this. You can go to PillarCatholic.com if you you want to revisit these uh, things, but I would encourage you to get out a pen and a notebook if you're not driving and take notes right now, uh, because we're going to be talking about the various combinations of masses, so to speak, that we can attend to fulfill the Sunday obligation and the Christmas Holy Day obligation. And uh, the guys over at the Pillar gave them some fun names. So tell us about two for two, Brendan. So the simplest approach is uh, go to Sunday Mass on Sunday, and then Monday go to a Christmas morning Mass on Christmas. Um, So you're going to Mass twice for your two obligations on back-to-back days, and um, that uh, covers both of your obligations. All right. Now, if Christmas morning, for whatever reason, is not the best time for your family to go to Mass, or maybe you're a midnight Mass person, 
Uh, tell us about Vigil All the Way. Exactly. So we're used to, you can normally go to a Vigil Mass on Saturday evening uh, to fulfill your Sunday obligation. You could, of course, do that this coming weekend. You would go to Sunday Mass on Saturday evening, and then if your parish is like mine, you probably have three times as many Christmas <laughs> Eve Masses as Christmas Masses, yes. and so you would then go to one of the Christmas Vigil Masses on Christmas Eve. So you would end up going to Mass for Sunday on Saturday and for Christmas on Sunday. And... um I don't know. This might, I don't, I don't know if this is a good way to be thinking about it, but maybe it is. You can look at the readings ahead of time and, and choose which of the uh, vigil masses you want based on which readings you want to hear proclaimed. Um, your favorite uh, Christmas readings, I guess. Uh, go for the one with the genealogy from Matthew. That's a good one. Um, okay, now. Exactly. Not everyone knows this, but the readings for regular vigil mass for Christmas are different than the readings for midnight mass for Christmas, which are different mm -hmm. from the Christmas morning vigil, the, the Christmas morning uh, mass readings. So you actually have three different sets of readings you could potentially hear. Yeah, absolutely, which have no bearing on your obligation, so to speak, um, which we'll get into in a second here. But let's go through these uh, couple of other options that we have. What is the long weekend? So you could, of course, go Saturday evening to your vigil mass, then take Sunday as a quiet day to frantically uh, get ready for Christmas, <laughs> and day. then go to Christmas morning mass on Christmas. So you would then be going to mass on Saturday and on Monday. Oh, interesting. Okay. That is an option that didn't actually occur to me. So uh, good to know. The long weekends, you take Sunday as a day of rest, so to speak, to frantically get ready for Christmas. Okay. Now... Tell us about Super Sunday. This is, uh, this is a pretty impressive choice. So this may actually end up being a choice for a lot of people in that you could simply go to your normal Sunday morning Mass and then later in the day go to Vigil Mass for Christmas. So you'd be fulfilling your Sunday obligation in the morning and your Christmas obligation in the afternoon or evening. Now, will an afternoon Mass on Christmas Eve fulfill the obligation that we have to attend Mass on the fourth Sunday of Advent if we also go to a Mass that's like later, like midnight or later? Yes, uh, and in fact, it doesn't even have to be as late as midnight. So your obligation to attend Mass on Sunday or on a holy day uh, is bound by calendar time, if you will, rather than liturgical time. So if you, if you wanted, you could go to a evening Christmas Eve, uh, so Christmas Vigil Mass, and then go to the, the, the Christmas Midnight Mass. Both of those would actually be Christmas Masses, but the first of those you could go for your Sunday obligation, and then the second you could go for your Christmas obligation. Okay, and you know what I love about this option is that you just stay in the pew. You can just stay and you've got your seed already saved for the Christmas Mass, because we all know that that's the biggest thing, is fighting for a seat at Mass on Christmas. Uh, like I said, there is an excellent post, an explainer over at PillarCatholic.com, which you can find linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Brendan, thank you. Thank you, and Merry Christmas. And to you as well. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show, it's time for news.
Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is in Israel today getting an update on the war in Gaza. The visit is coming as President Biden and many others have increased criticism of Israel over the mounting civilian casualties in the bombing trying to destroy Hamas. There have been hints that Israel could move to a lower intensity strategy in the new year. Meanwhile, appeals for peace are getting louder from church leaders as well. After two Christians and two Israeli hostages in Gaza were recently killed by Israeli soldiers, the president of the U.S. Bishops Conference, Archbishop Timothy Broglio, released a statement on behalf of the bishops saying, quote, such violence must not continue. Following the mistaken killing of Israeli hostages and now the killing of two Christian women and the wounding of others inside Holy Family Parish in Gaza, We call for an immediate cessation of all hostilities, the release of hostages, and for earnest negotiations toward a peaceful solution of this conflict. He said, at this holy time of Advent, in anticipation of the birth of the Prince of Peace, it is with great sadness and horror that we continue to witness the death and destruction of innocent people in the land of our Lord's birth. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis repeated his calls for peace in the Holy Land and around the world. And in his catechesis, he reflected on the Sunday Gospel reading, focusing on what it means that John the Baptist testifies to the light. From Vatican Radio, Thaddeus Jones reports. Looking at the nature of John's testimony and the light to which he refers, the Pope explained that John the Baptist's testimony came through his frank language, his sincere behavior, and his austerity of life. People flocked to meet and hear the Baptist, the Pope recalled, especially due to his consistent and sincere way of being, making him different from the famous and powerful who cultivated their appearances more than their character. And in every age, the Lord sends men and women like this, he said. And do we recognize them? Do we learn from their witness, allowing ourselves to be challenged? The Pope said John's luminous nature came from his testifying to the light of Christ, of Jesus coming into the world, the Lamb of God, God who saves. Recalling that John himself told the crowds that he was not the light or the Messiah, but the voice who accompanies his brothers and sisters to the Word. The Pope said John the Baptist's witness shows us that only in God do we find the light of life, and that by God's grace, we can be a lamp that shines and helps others find the way to meet Jesus through our service to others, humility, and the integrity of our lives. In conclusion, the Pope suggested we ask ourselves how we in our daily lives can give witness in the here and now to the light of Christ in these days leading to Christmas and beyond. And he prayed that may Mary, mirror of holiness, help us be men and women who reflect Jesus, the light who comes into the world. Following the recitation of the Angelus Prayer, Pope Francis greeted the many families there with their children present who brought little statuettes of the child Jesus to be blessed on Bambinelli Sunday, a tradition started by St. Pope Paul VI over 50 years ago. Cardinal Angelo Becciu has been sentenced to five and a half years in Vatican jail for what has been called the Vatican trial of the century. Cardinal Becciu was convicted on multiple counts of embezzlement. He was among 10 defendants accused of a property scheme that prosecutors said dwindled millions of dollars from the Vatican. The 75-year-old became the first cardinal to be tried in Vatican City's criminal court. He plans to appeal. 
The Biden administration is announcing its five-year offshore drilling plan. Brian Shook reports. The Interior Department says between 2024 and 2029, there will be three leases in the waters around the U.S. to allow for drilling. The American Petroleum Institute claimed the plan fails to meet the energy needs of the American people. Environmental groups also took issue with the plan, saying the dangerous cycle of drilling and spilling must end. I'm Brian Shook. And much of the East Coast is bracing for a possible bomb cyclone as a major storm packing strong winds and heavy rain threatens holiday travel today. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. The number one enemy of St. Paul is disunity. The separation of Christians from Paul and the separation of Christians from each other is a source of anguish for him. He knows that unity is a difficult thing, as he tells the church at Ephesus. He writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, beg you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all lowliness and meekness, with patience, forbearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul knows that the most annoying thing that Christians have to deal with are the foibles and attitudes of other Christians. All of us are sinners. All of us are redeemed by the blood of Christ. But all of us have our own little annoying things and our own way of doing things that can drive people crazy. We get bounced around and we smooth each other out by learning to serve each other, by being patient with things about the other, and generally coming to love one another despite all of our weaknesses and all of our foibles. As we begin to do this, we begin to live a life worthy of our calling, which is to be Christ for one another, to learn to love one another, to learn to be understanding of one another. And in that, we can be united in Christ with one another. And this is what we learn from the heart of St. Paul. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bear Walsnick, and you can find his Deep Adventure resources linked through sunrisemorningshow.com as well as his latest book. It's all about 12 rules for manliness. Bear, good morning. Merikilikimaka. Matt, from uh, the Bitter End uh, Anchorage here in uh, the British Virgin Islands. I mean, if we can't get a dude from Hawaii to say it during the week leading up to Christmas, I then I can't <laughs> I can't consider myself a real radio person. So uh, we at least got that covered today. You know, today we're talking about endurance, and uh, this mm. is uh, something that you know maybe associated with distance runners or some other things, but it, really anybody. Uh, ought to have to figure out how to do this in a whole bunch of different areas of life, right? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, it's also, it's, it's, the, it's the gift of fortitude, coraggio. 
And it's unique because the, the gift of fortitude is something that you can go out and uh, grow in. You can choose to grow in it. You can choose to grow in it every time you go to the gym, you know, when, when you don't feel like it or you press the extra weight when you're doing resistance training because that's really what it is. It's resistance training. Um, but um, endurance is something that uh, I was thinking about the scripture verse that the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the earth for the man whose heart is totally yielded to him, that he might strongly support him. Well, right in those words, strongly support kind of implies that it's going to be a bit of adversity involved in what, in what God's calling us to do. Well, you know, I think that there are ways that some of us are wired uh, to naturally appreciate and gravitate towards endurance. Like, you know, mm-hmm. anybody who has, uh, you know, some sort of like physical ability and has done that in like a physical way in the gym or on a big long hike, maybe even, or, you know, sticking it out in bad weather when you're camping. Like there are ways that I think that are natural to us, but I think that some of us could use some work like enduring frustrating people in our offices or our families, (laughs) right. Or enduring some of these other things that I don't know about you. That does not come as naturally to me. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, yesterday, Cindy, I dropped some day off on the beach, and I came back to the boat and was working, and she took this, she took, you were talking about hiking, going on the gnarly hike. This is what she says to me when she comes back. She says, oh, you shouldn't go on that hike. It's going to be too hard for you. (laughs) (laughs) Having to endure my wife saying something like that to me, but she said it was kind of slippery in the rocks or bad. But it is true. It is those little things. But we had, like, someone, a member of our man cave write to us, right to the man in the man cave last week saying, I'm really having a struggle in my marriage. I really need your prayers. Uh, it wasn't so much that he needed counsel. He needed, he needed prayers for grace, you know, to, to just kind of stay the course in that situation when things get kind of cloudy and direction doesn't seem right and things get hard. Um, it's grit and grace combined. It's having the determination, but also it really is that we can't do it on our own. It really is that the Holy Spirit wants to use that to transform us into the likeness and image of his son. The grit and the grace. You know, it's it's fascinating to me, uh, you know, when you bring up that question of, of marriage, uh, when, mm. you know, I look at the at the YouTube, you know, alpha bro channels, and I see they, they pop up all over my feed. I don't know what that tells me about me and what the internet thinks <laughs> that I'm interested Because you're an alpha, in. Matt. Yes. You know, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a Delta but uh, you know the, yeah. uh, the 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 idea of some of these guys who are like you know trying to increase their prowess and you know and all this stuff you know endurance in their diet and their exercise you know this perfect physique but then you look at like their relationship history and like none of these dudes can tolerate like the the normal grind of an actual marriage right or an oh, actual relational commitment and all that stuff like yeah. you can't just pick one thing that you're like interested in enduring and chuck the rest. I love this. You know, um, you know, I'm so fortunate because Cindy is so, so wonderful, and I, I call her full of grace. I don't know if that's heretical to say <laughs> because I know only, but, but it's really beautiful when you have uh, such a, uh, a tender wife who's always looking through the true good. But but there's always is just that reality of staying staying the course, and and sometimes things get a little bit uh, what do they call it? rough around the edges. And learning just to stay with each other and love each other and, and talk honestly with each other, get real with each other. But staying the course, so many people just bail out. And you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, there's someone listening right now that really identifies with what you and I are talking about. 
and I just encourage them, just ask for God's grace. When I when I got my second degree black belt, um, you know, we, we'd have models that they would actually put up on the wall in the dojo for each person. And mine was that scripture verse that says, lead me to the rock too high to climb, and I, and, and I will climb it. Uh, by thee, I will, uh, I can bend a bow of bronze, you know, that, that other verse. And so it's not, we don't do it on our own. This isn't about being an alpha male. This That doesn't work. That's just a hellish, hellish, hellish inward downward spiral into isolation like the Dante's Inferno. Um, it really is about God coming alongside us and saying, hey, I know you're working hard on this. Uh, let me help you with it. You know, and ask for God's help. It's like when you're doing resistance training, having a spotter to help you. Just by sometimes someone just putting a little finger on that weight, it, the, the weight starts to move, you know, when you're, when you're lifting weights. So having a spotter, having someone there to help you, um, that's what we need. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. Well, we absolutely do. I mean, it's the it's the grit and it's the grace. It's the it's the grace and it's the nature. It's the faith and it's the works. Uh, it's always Amen. a cooperation. I mean, I love the part in the Catechism where it talks about how God always calls first. Uh, that anytime we even respond, anytime we you know do something hard or great or participate or cooperate in our own salvation, we're actually the second actor in that scenario because it was the grace right. that came that made us even think that it was something that we should look into, right? So, I mean, you even this idea of endurance, it never comes just it. from us. Yeah. You know what? Uh, yeah, you always give me so much to think about. It, it's When you do have adversity, just think of it as an appointment with God. Mm. It's just a moment to say, look look up to God and have, whether it's a uh, someone uh, wronging you, or it's a, it's a financial hardship, or it's a medical hardship, or it's a relationship situation. Whatever that is, just see it as an appointment with God, with the Holy Spirit, to say, Lord, come help me. I have a good friend, Bill Snyder. He's had several open-heart surgeries. And man, when, we're, when he's on the set of Long Ride Home, I don't know how many times an hour he says, come on, Holy Spirit, need your help. You know, whenever, whenever we have adversity, let's reach out to him. Well, you know what Chesterton said about this, right? Oh, no, I guess I don't. Well, well what, he, what said, that, that, he said that, that an, an adventure is only an inconvenience rightly considered, and an inconvenience is only an adventure wrongly considered. So there you have it. Oh, that's cool, man. That's so cool. Yeah, praise God. So we have to keep, um, you know, give, giving uh, and not, not taking and, uh, and uh, letting the Lord fill our sails. Very good. Well, that's an appropriate metaphor uh, since you've been out there filling the sails and you know, trying to get yeah. out there in the raging seas. If our listeners want to connect with you, Bear, and find out some of these more resources and even maybe be part of this man cave you're talking about and find a fellowship yeah. group of dudes, uh, how do they do so? Go to deepadventure.com and you can join our Bear School of Manliness in the Man Cave. It's a great thing for fathers and sons to do together to go through the school. The Man Cave is just, the man cave is just for, uh, for adults. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Bear. Merry Christmas, because we're going to talk to you on the other side of this, and have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Aloha. All right. There you go. You got your own Maha. I can't even say it right. I'm glad Bear said it at the beginning. Well, we're back with Stephanie Mann right after this. It's a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. 
Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Jim Pinto. Director of EWTN Media Missionaries. Mother Angelica said, The essence of evangelization is to tell everybody Jesus loves you. You can help EWTN share the good news by becoming a media missionary. Visit EWTNmissionaries.com today and join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 13 Till, here's Anna with headlines. Secretary Lloyd Austin is in Israel today to get an update on the war in Gaza as appeals for peace are getting louder, especially from church leaders after two Christians and two Israeli hostages in Gaza were recently killed by Israeli soldiers. And Cardinal Angelo Beichu, once prominent in the Vatican, has now been sentenced to five and a half years in a Vatican jail after being convicted on multiple counts of embezzlement. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Stephanie Mann. You can find her blog, Supremacy and Survival, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, along with a book of the same name. It's great information, a lot of stuff that a lot of us didn't know about the English Reformation. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So today we get to talk about St. John Roberts and Blessed Thomas Summers. Uh, before we get into the details of their martyrdom, uh, tell us yes. a little bit about who they were and uh, how they got busted, as it were. Well, they were, of course, missionary priests coming to England. This is during the reign of James the Second. Excuse me, James the First. He had been James the Sixth of uh, of uh, Scotland. His mother was Mary, Queen of Scots, and he succeeded Elizabeth the First. And these two priests came to England uh, around right after the gunpowder plot fiasco and there had been so much of an uptick in persecution of Catholics. And so John St. John Roberts was a Benedictine and he was uh, there as a missionary priest, not, uh, still a monk, but as a missionary priest. And Blessed uh, Summers uh, was also a Catholic priest who was serving uh, the, the Catholics. And so they'd been arrested They'd been found guilty of being priests, and therefore they were sentenced to death. And what 
Father Bowden describes in his book and his memory of of these two priests, especially of of uh, Blessed John Robert uh, Saint John Roberts, is this great feast they had the night before their executions, their last supper, and the experience they had, kind of almost a an out of a, a spiritual experience. It was a beautiful feast. There was food. There was conviviality. But the main thing was there was a great spiritual event that occurred, and it all became possible because of this lady from Spain, uh, say, uh, Luisa de Caraval, who had come to Spain to help the, the priests. She had such great devotion to these missionary priests, knowing that the suffering the Catholics were enduring in England. And she came <clears throat> to help them, to console them. And one of the things she did was console them when they were awaiting execution. And she did so in this case by hosting a last supper for the priests and 20 other prisoners of conscience who are being held in Newgate Jail. This is the piece of the puzzle that's so fascinating to me, because John Roberts, yes. that's a pretty doggone English name, right? Yes. Thomas Summers is pretty down the line. How does a Luisa de Carvajal get involved with this? What in the world would she want to come to England for, knowing the situation? Right, mainly because of this, the one the way that she wanted to serve the Catholic, the underground Catholic community. There is was kind of a a diplomatic situation going on, and that it was that James the first wanted to have peace with Spain. So at the same time that he had to execute Catholic priests, he there was kind of some moderation in some ways of the activity, and therefore uh, there was more. Uh, allowances made and so because she had the support of the uh, Spanish ambassador to, to the court of St. James Luisa de Caraval was able to arrange these kind of events and there are others that she did and provide safe houses and stuff because she kind of had that diplomatic not immunity but some protection but the the feast is that what's so much beautiful in in Father Bowden's explanation and their response the especially he describes St. John Roberts' response to it. Yeah, I wonder if we could dig into that. Like, what was that last yes. night like together? Yes. Well, the, the words that Father Bowden uses said that the meal was a devout and joyful one. Heavenly, the refreshment ministered to the guests. Great the fervor and spiritual delight which our Lord bestowed on his valiant soldiers, giving them that peace which passeth all understanding. And then, but then there's this odd note that the the guests hardly thought of eating. I mean, the food and wine was the food and the wine was delicious. Yeah. I always uh, kind of wonder about great... that. I mean, with everything yeah. coming up the next day, like who's, who's hungry? Yeah. yeah. Right. The great festivity. I mean, it was kind of like, I thought we're all thinking of our Christmas dinners next Monday. This is kind of the Christmas dinner we really want. I mean, we do want the good food and the good wine, but the camaraderie, the peace, the joy, just the, the, the unity of that event that's kind of the feast we all want to celebrate with our families next week. And 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 then Father Roberts, or, or St. John Roberts, was even concerned. He says, now, am I being silly? I mean, am I, do I, do you think, she, he told, asked her, that I am causing disedification? I mean, am I giving a bad example with all this glee and this joy? Would I be better to retire into a corner and give myself up to prayer? And she said, no. You cannot be better employed than by letting them all see with what cheerful, cheerful courage you are about to die for Christ. So she actually says to him, no, you shouldn't be like a monk that you are and go off and pray. Be with people. Be with this is this is your 
this is your last supper. Be with him and, and celebrate and prepare for the in, what you're going to endure tomorrow. And do it with the joy that you have in Christ because you know that you are serving him and and therefore you know that you will have a great reward, not just this feast, but the feast that comes after. That account <laughs> of that last supper and the joy and the uh, and the courage and all that helps make a whole lot more sense of what John Roberts says the next morning <laughs> that yes. is reported as like his jest, as it were, going to his own execution. I wonder if you share that with us. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Well, cold December morning. And one of the things that were there, one of the implements of the, the execution was a, a hot cauldron to parboil their quarters once they'd been hanged, drawn and quartered. And he says, oh, good. There's a hot fire on such a cold morning. And so it, it, you could see that kind of that joy that he had and the peace that he'd had from that gathering the night before carried through to his execution, that he could make a jest like that. Here's a hot breakfast ready, despite the cold weather. Yeah, and so it's just an it, incredible line. It's wild to, to think of the courage of these men and uh, the witness that they must have given. And and again, as we talk all the time, how much it must have backfired. <laughs> you know, the, uh, yes. the intimidation well, uh, you know, campaign by uh, the English monarchy to try and make examples of these people to discourage them from ever wanting to, uh, you know, be faithful to the Catholic faith. And here you find true. that they are giving pretty powerful witness. Yeah, because it, it actually at his execution, the two priests were allowed to die by being hanged instead of being left conscious to endure all that torture. And when they held the executioner held up his heart and said, this is the heart of a traitor. The people were supposed to answer, long live the king. But the hangman said the words, and the crowd was silent. So it didn't get that, again, like you said, it didn't get the response that the, the propaganda was supposed to be there of, of, see, the king is keeping you safe from this, these traitors, these priests, and yet the crowd doesn't reply at all. So it, it's just a, it is a beautiful, beautiful story. And I think it was all because of that night before that they had such joy and festivity and peace at their Last Supper, their Christmas yeah. dinner. Luisa de Carvajal, who came from Spain to encourage these men going to their death. I can't help but think of the women of Jerusalem there, you know, consoling Christ yes. uh, on the yes. Via Dolorosa. It's a powerful post. Definitely go over to Stephanie's blog and check, the, check it out. Supremacy and Survival is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Stephanie, have a great day. You too, and talk to you next year. Sounds good. And until tomorrow, for the rest of you, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.